Folks, it's that time again, Saturday afternoon, 1 p.m. I want to welcome you to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS, 1320 a.m. Also on Talk 99.1 FM. Uh, we're here today, as I said, I'm your host, Sam DeMarco, here joined by my executive director, John Schneider, the man of few words. I mean, you know, I, I'm telling you what, if we're ever going to do a movie uh, after Clint Eastwood passes away to play a young Clint Eastwood, okay, uh, we're going to get John Schneider to play the role because, you know, just as Clint Eastwood in those Westerns was a man of few words, so is John Schneider. Thank you, Sam. And, and we're all, oh my gosh, he said two, three. And then we also have, our, da- our producer, Dazzling Daryl Grandy, the guy that makes the magic happen and gets what the content that we're talking about to you, you know, over the radio waves and to you so that you're able to learn from our guests uh, the topics that today uh, dominate the elephant in the room. Now, for our listeners out there, one of the things I want to talk about is the fact that this year they call them off-year elections, but really they're critical elections. Because these are the years in which we elect statewide our judicial candidates to our appellate courts, as well as your local municipal and school board candidates. And today we're going to have a couple guests uh, who are candidates for those appellate courts. And I want to introduce the first one here, uh, you know, an Allegheny County resident and a candidate for Superior Court, Emily Uhanick. Emily, welcome to the show. Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for being here. You know, Emily, I mean, this is the first time that you're running for any type of elected office. You've been in the judiciary, uh, you know, for the last 13 years. But can you tell the people, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? Sure. Well, I was born and raised in Perry County, which is a very rural county in central PA. Mm-hmm. Um, but I came out to the University of Pittsburgh for my undergraduate degree, and then I stayed at Pittsburgh at Pitt for my law school degree. So, And then after law school, I began working for Judge John Bender on the Superior Court of Pennsylvania, and I've worked for him, like you said, for 13 years. So I've been in Allegheny County for over 20 years now. Okay. So you're a resident. You live in the North Hills, correct? I do. I live in um, Richland Township, so okay. it's, it's two miles from the Butler County border. Well, now tell us a little bit about your family. I have, my husband Andy is a high school guidance counselor. He works at Blackhawk High School in Beaver County. Um, and together, Andy and I have a 10-year-old daughter, Amelia, and a 7-year-old son, Ethan. Wow, that's awesome. That, I mean, the, hey, those children must keep you busy, right? You oh, know? certainly, yes. They, they very much do. But it's fun. We're in the fun years where, you know, they, they definitely are active and busy, but it's, it's really enjoyable to watch them growing and, you know, making friends and being involved in activities and sports and all of that is wonderful. Now, now, I'll bet. Now, hey, you know, let's, I don't want to say dumb this down, but many of our listeners, you know, really don't understand the court system here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, you know, and, and what they do on the Superior Court. Can you explain that to her, for them, please? Sure. So I like to explain it like the court system in Pennsylvania is like a pyramid. So the very bottom level, the bigger level is all of the county trial courts. And then those proceedings funnel up to two appellate medial medium level appellate courts, which is the Commonwealth Court and the Superior Court. And then at the top of the pyramid is the, is the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. So the Superior Court um, hears primarily criminal law cases. We get a lot of appeals from criminal law convictions. So that's about 80 to 90 percent of the cases that the Superior Court hears. But they also hear cases in juvenile law, family law, civil law. Um, it's a very big and busy court. It's actually the Superior Court 
is one of the busiest appellate courts in the entire country. Um, so it definitely, there's a lot of moving parts to the court system. Um, and there's 15 judges total sitting on the Superior Court mm-hmm. statewide. And then there are typically some, a handful of um, senior judges sitting on the court. So right now we have actually 14 judges sitting. There's one seat open currently. And then we have three senior judges on the Superior Court. Okay. But there will be two seats up for election here this year, correct? Right, yes. There are two seats. One, like I said, has been open for some time, so that is a seat that's open. And then the judge that I worked for, um, Judge John Bender, is retiring next year, so his seat is also going to be open. Um, so, so, yes, two seats total open on the court. Okay. So explain to us or explain to our listeners how what you do today, you know, for Judge Bender, well, qualifies well, I- you. Yes. So my time with Judge Bender, like I said, total 13 years working for him. The last six of those years, I worked as Judge Bender's chief clerk. So in that sense, I was comprehensively involved in every aspect of his job as a superior court judge. I was the head attorney overseeing the four other attorneys and two secretaries on Judge Bender's staff. I oversaw the day-to-day operations of the chambers, drafted orders, reviewed cases, handled administrative issues, and advised Judge Bender on voting. I also drafted over a thousand superior court decisions during my years with the court. My primary area of expertise is criminal law, which like I said, comprises the vast majority of cases heard by the superior court. However, as chief clerk, I also read and edited thousands of decisions covering all areas of the law heard by the superior court. Um, I actually ended up, because I'm running for a position on the court, I had to resign from my position with the court. So my last day with Judge Bender was the end of December. So right now I'm campaigning full-time. This is my full-time job through November. Okay, well, that's fantastic, you know. Now, if, if you were to, you, know, you just explained to our listeners, you know, what the court did, what their role was, what your role was, okay. Uh, why do you think, what perspective do you think that you'll bring to the court that will be beneficial to the people of the Commonwealth should they elect you to be a, a Supreme Court uh, judge here in 2023? Well, first and foremost, you know, based on my experience working for the court, I have been trained to be a neutral arbiter of the law and a fair and impartial superior court judge. You know, it's vital today more than ever that we have judges that are going to strive to protect the freedoms and rights set forth in our constitutions and uphold the rule of law. Um, I'm an originalist. I do not believe that the Constitution is a living document. I firmly believe that judges must never legislate or make policy from the bench. Um, and in my time working for the court, I also realized that it's very vital that judges um, write their decisions, applying the premise that the law should be accessible to the people. So as a judge, I will be making my decisions clear and common sense so that the parties, the bar, and the citizens of this state can really understand what the law means, how it is being applied, and why. And finally, I think today more than ever, we need judges who are strong and resilient enough to render the legally correct and constitutional decision, no matter what social outcry might result. I think too often we're seeing judges feeling the pressures of the public opinion, and, and that's you know something that as a judge I firmly will, will stand strong in the face of any of that, that extra outside noise and do my job of applying the law and upholding the Constitution. Well, that's good to know because that's something that's absolutely a, uh, an issue here today, you know, with the rise of social media and things like that. Uh, it's easy for folks to get out there and, uh, you know, urge people to be calling a judge, judge's office or chambers and things of that nature. 
So it's important that you're able to be able to not just roll on the law as written, but also to be able to have the backbone to withstand any social pressure that comes along with it. So that's good to know. Right. Now, absolutely. Now, if someone wanted to help you, okay, um, how would they go about doing so? Do you have a website yet? Um, you know, I do not have a website yet. We're, we're in the endorsement process right now. So I plan to make my official announcement in um, early February after the endorsement process has ended. And at that point, I will have a website up and running and be able to share that with everyone. Um, at this point, you know, honestly, right now, I think that the most important thing that people can do to help me and, and all the candidates, frankly, is to just be talking to, you know, their friends and family and people that they meet about how important it is for us to get out and vote for these judicial positions to really research and understand who the candidates are and to support the candidates who are going to, you know, uphold the Constitution and apply the rule of law and not legislate from the bench and have the experience and the knowledge to do the job and do it well and also to really look for those candidates who can win in November. And I think I certainly am a candidate who has, you know, statewide appeal and, you know, being from Allegheny County and living in urban and suburban Pittsburgh for over 20 years and having those central PA rural roots and ties. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a normal person. I'm a mom of two, a suburban mom of two, married to a teacher. Um, you know, I definitely have the training and experience and qualifications to assure voters that I can absolutely do the job of a superior court judge and be a fair and impartial judge for all Pennsylvanians. Now, one of the things when I had the opportunity to meet you, I was struck by your youth, okay? Um, and, and you made a statement to me. You said that should you be elected, that you have the potential to be able to serve on the court for like 35 years. Isn't that correct? Yes, yes. So if I get elected, I will take office when I'm 41, I'm 40 now. And so, yeah, I, I would be able to be a sitting judge for the, for the Republican Party for 35 years, which I think, you know, that's, that's a great advantage for the party um, to not have to be, you know, worrying about that, that seat on the court for such a long time. Well, it, well, it's a great advantage to the party. It's a great advantage to the citizens of the Commonwealth, knowing Absolutely. that somebody that's a neutral arbiter of the law, you know, Absolutely. and yeah. is sitting Absolutely. there. And so, I mean, I think that's the, uh, that's the message we'd like to convey to our listeners, you know, is we have Absolutely. somebody here that is determined to, to rule according to the law and not be an activist judge which is one of the things that we've seen cause problems nationwide here in recent years. Absolutely. I like to say judges don't wear red or blue, they wear black. And like I said, you know, my training with the court, I've been doing this job for 13 years, being trained to be that neutral arbiter of the law, you know, a fair and impartial judge to look at the facts of each case without any preconceived notions or plans or any, you know, any agenda at all. And just to really fairly and impartially decide every case that comes before me, certainly. Yes. And I, you know, it's, it's nice that I would be a judge that would be able to sit for such a long, a long time for the Pennsylvania, for all Pennsylvanians. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, as we talk to our listeners here, one of the things I'd like you to do is to share with them, or we can share together, is some of the challenges the judicial candidates have when running. Because it's not like, you know, a regular candidate running for elected office where you can get up there and talk about positions. You know, as a judicial candidate, you can't talk about things that might end up coming before the court, okay? And sometimes that can be seem off-putting to some casual, you know, folks that you meet who don't understand the reasoning behind that. Do you want to share anything in regards to that? 
Absolutely. Yeah, that certainly is tricky. And I, I understand, you know, when people ask you for specific you know, your specific points of view on certain issues, um, the frustration that some people feel when you can't answer. But at the end of the day, you know, I think it's the reason judicial candidates can't answer is because we don't know the facts of every case that are going to come before us. We don't know the arguments that the parties are going to make. We don't know what the law is going to be in place at the time that any issue comes before us. So we really can't look ahead in that way and answer. And, And we obviously, as judges, have to put aside our own personal views and our own political views and our personal ideologies and and apply the law fairly and impartially. So so that's why judges are not able to speak on on specific issues. And I think that that's a, a good thing. And I, as a candidate, will definitely try to help individuals and voters understand the reason why we're not permitted to speak on on issues specifically. And, and that's important for folks to know. I mean, you can be pro-life, you can be pro-Second Amendment, you can be all these different things. But you can't get into these detailed discussions with folks, you know, out on the campaign trail, because as you said, you don't know what's going to come before you. And and the other point that you made there that I liked was that you're explaining to the people that, you know, when you're making a ruling, you're not ruling on an issue. You're ruling on the facts of the case that is in front of you. Okay. Right. And sometimes they can be, you know, uh, the case can be lost while you may agree with the issue if the facts brought before you don't support it? Absolutely. It's the facts brought before us. It's the record that's developed before the trial court below. You know, the Superior Court is an error-correcting court. So the judges on the Superior Court are evaluating whether whether errors happen at the trial court level. So, you know, it really is it's up to the attorneys and the, the parties to preserve the issues below for, you know, we, we are as an appellate court, are constrained to reviewing the issues that are raised and developed by the parties below and before us. So there's really a lot of factors that go into every case that comes before the appellate court and how judges on the appellate courts are able to assess those cases and decide those cases. So that's why, you know, it does, we can't just make blanket statements about how we would rule on any issue because we just don't know what the facts and the circumstances and the record before us will be at that time. Right. And and one of the other challenges, too, that folks should know about is, Contrary to how other elected officials are able to raise money, judicial candidates cannot go out and ask for money themselves. They have to get people to help them and to raise money for them. And that certainly, you know, represents a a, a challenge as well, does it not? It does. It certainly does. And, you know, I think in judicial elections, because like you, you said earlier, Sam, that there's a lot of people in the state who don't really have a good understanding of the court systems and what the different courts do and what the judges do. So that that's a challenge. And then when you don't have the fundraising and the, you know, the, the ability to go out and directly ask for money, that adds challenges to being able to really spread the word about yourself as a candidate and to also educate people about the position you're seeking and why you are qualified for that position. However, I certainly as a candidate think that it is really vital that because of the fundraising challenges and judicial races for judicial candidates to really be out there on the ground, grassroots efforts, talking to voters, meeting voters, you know, spreading the word that way. And I certainly, because like I said, this will be my full-time job through November, plan to be everywhere in the state as much as I possibly can, you know, meeting people and and talking to people and, and using the legwork and the hard work to make up for any, you know, fundraising, you know, goals that might not quite get hit. Um, So I certainly will be, will be out working, you know, as much as I can to make up for the, that, the fundraising part. 
Well, that that's good to know, and I think that'll, uh, you know, I think is a, is a prudent path forward. You know, so hey, um, while we got all the tough questions out of the way here, right? You know, who are you? Why are you running? All those different things. Um, can you tell us a little bit about it? Or tell our listeners a little bit about what it's like going through this process. You know, as you're currently engaged going, you know, to these different state committee caucuses across the state where you give presentations, you know, to the members of the caucus, and then they take a straw poll to determine, you know, who they liked and things of that nature. Being a first-time candidate, how daunting is that? Well, I'll tell you what, it definitely, you know, I am not a politician by any means. I'm a professional, and so it certainly has been a lot of learning for me and, you know, putting myself outside my comfort zone, but I feel like I have already grown so much as a candidate through this process um, as daunting and as difficult as it is, I really appreciate the endorsement process and the process we're going through as candidates because it really vets us as candidates. You know, these the committee people, the state committee people are asking great and difficult questions and really getting to know us as candidates. And so that, that's really worthwhile um, for these judicial races to really have that experience as a candidate to go through and be able to answer those tough questions and to hear really what questions and issues people across the state have, because Pennsylvania is such a diverse state with very many unique individuals and unique communities. And so hearing from people in all those different communities and what issues and questions they have is really extremely helpful as a candidate to be well-rounded and to be you know, resilient and strong enough to get through this first phase of the process, I think only makes us stronger as candidates to get through until, you know, we cross that finish line in November. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, I know that you're going to have to run here, but before you do, is there anything you would like to say to our listeners in regards to uh, your candidacy and uh, what you would like them to do if they want to help you? Yeah, you know, I guess just keep in mind that, you know, I have the training, I have the experience working for the court. Like I said, I've been trained to be a neutral arbiter of the law and a fair and impartial superior court judge. And I truly think that, you know, for me, running for a seat on this court is truly something that I feel called by God to do. You know, I serve the people of this state as part of the superior court for 13 years. And I really know that, you know, with the support of the parties and with the support of the voters, I will win a seat on the superior court at, like I said, just 41 years old and, and be able to continue to serve all Pennsylvanians as a fair and impartial judge for decades to come. And at this point, you know, I really, really certainly appreciate all of the opportunities to speak like you have given me today, Sam, and all of the connections that I'm making across the state. And, you know, I just ask that anybody listening, if you like me and you, you know, reach out to me or, you know, talk to your friends about me and put out the word that I am a good, strong, qualified candidate who will be a fair and impartial Superior Court judge. Well, Emily, it was a pleasure having you on the on the show today. And folks, that was Emily Uhanic. Uhanic like mechanic. I loved when you told me that, made it easy to remember how to pronounce your last name. And we wish you the very best as you go forward in this process. Thank you so much, Sam. I really appreciate it. You gotta have a great day, Emily. You too. Thank you. Thank you. So John, here we are. We're talking talk to Emily Uhanic there. Uh, she's currently running for the Superior Court seat here and trying to go through the process that leads up to the endorsement from the PAGOP, which will take place on Saturday, February 4th, up in uh, Hershey, PA. So there are a number of other candidates that are running. 
<clears throat> to tell our listeners, one of those is, uh, I'll tell you who those folks are, um, Judge Harry Smale, who's on the Common Police Court in Westmoreland County. You know, Harry is running for uh, Superior Court as well. We have uh, Mike Domino, who's a law professor at Widener University. Uh, he's currently running for this seat. You have Maria Batista, who's an attorney uh, out of Clarion, Pennsylvania. She's running. And you also have Doug Reichley, who's a candidate for Superior Court. Doug is a former uh, state representative, you know, and currently a judge out in the East here. Um, he has a background of having served as a prosecutor in the Lehigh Valley and also in Philadelphia. But Doug is uh, running for Superior Court as well. So we have a number of folks out there. And this Saturday, earlier or today, <clears throat> there's a couple caucuses going on in the southwest up in Cranberry and then one up in the northwest in which these candidates will go before the state committee members there, give their presentations, and have uh, straw poll results or straw polls run, and then they'll get the results later that day. Next week, on Saturday the 28th, they'll do it in the southeast, and that'll be the lead-up to the state committee meeting on February 3rd and 4th. But, John, what have you thought about some of the Superior Court candidates that you've seen? Uh, you know, I've got to meet a few of them at some of the events we've had, especially mm -hmm. our, our Christmas party. Uh, you know, it is a daunting task to run for judges in this. Like you said, you can't raise money for them. Um, there's a lot of other setbacks. One, people really don't even understand what, you know, the appellate court uh, the appellate courts do in our state. Uh, it's, it's tough to get their message out. It's tough to raise money. Uh, it's, it's tough to connect with folks. A lot of these people aren't politicians. They haven't really run for office before. Uh, sometimes you'll say there is a little bit of awkwardness amongst some of them, too. And it's just... Um, but, you know, it's fun to see them kind of grow from starting from this point forward and see where they end up uh, come fall. Right. And, you know, like as you said, many folks don't understand the court system, but I think it's important that you learn to try to understand it quickly when you're involved in it. You know, when you're, you have a case that's before them and you want to understand how that all works, you know, here's an opportunity to sort of learn a little bit about them. And here's an opportunity to, to take and vote this year for the candidate that you think will best represent you. And you heard Emily say that she's a neutral arbiter of the law, an originalist, someone who's going to roll according to the law as written and, uh, you know, not be an activist. And I think that's something that most of the folks I know on the right are interested in. And I believe also the folks in the middle, you know, and moderates on the left. So Sam, I'd also like to add is, you know, every year we always say this is the most important election of our lifetime, mm -hmm. right? But if we look back, I would argue that 2015 was probably one of the most important elections in recent history that we experienced here, where we lost three Supreme Court seats. And we've seen the aftermath of that with redistricting and all these, uh, right, you know, COVID restrictions and stuff like that. So you know, there is one seat. There is one seat available on Supreme Court this year. I and, let John uh, speak, and he steals my thunder for the second segment. Oh, I apologize. You know? so <laughs> See, I, I that's what happens. That's what happens. <laughs> oh, my poke gosh. the bear enough time, Sam. Well, that's, that's right. my fault. I need to tell him what I'm thinking. <laughs> you know, he's, he's told me many times, he has ESPN, not ESP. See, there you right? go. You know? Yeah. So anyway, that, that's my bet. I just want to talk about the importance of this uh, Supreme Court race uh, this November. No, you're absolutely right, John. And, and that's one of the things in our second segment here today, folks, we're going to be hearing from Judge Carolyn Carluccio. 
who's a Republican candidate for the Supreme Pennsylvania Supreme Court. She's from Montgomery County. And that's specifically what we're going to talk about is the opportunity in front of us and how losing those elections in 2015 have really impacted this Commonwealth and in my view, in a negative fashion. Folks, you're listening to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. And we're also available on podcast via Spotify, Apple, and Amazon Music. Folks, we'll be back after the break. The midterm elections are in the rearview mirror, and now it's time to start finding great school board candidates for 2023. Convince the right candidates to run using the Get Elected app for easy-to-understand voter data and analysis, canvassing tools, and more. Visit getelected.org and show them the path to victory. Get elected. Campaign with confidence. Folks, welcome back to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. I'm your host, Sam DeMarco, and welcome back for our second segment. Now, I was just speaking before we took the break. My colleague, John, stole my thunder (laughs) and started to talk about the importance of the judicial elections here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania coming up because he brought up what took place in 2015. And in 2015, Republicans lost three seats on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court and he talked about the impact that that had. You know, just in the last five years, you know, we have gone through, in 2018, let's go back, 2018, all of a sudden the Supreme Court just ruled that the congressional maps were unconstitutional and just changed them. Now, this was despite them having been, you know, in law for eight years, despite having been agreed to by Republicans and Democrats, they just decided, nope, we're going to draw our own maps. They did. And at the time, Republicans held 13 of those seats. It was 13 to 5 as far as congressional members here in the congressional delegation in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And now they followed that up going to the 2020 election where when they were hearing cases that were brought in regards to Act 77 out of whole cloth, they just took and invented things that didn't exist. You know, nowhere in Act 77 did it say anything about drop boxes or satellite voting offices. But yet the Supreme Court permitted and allowed those. They also took, and while the law said that a mail-in ballot had to be received by 8 p.m. on Election Day, they just decided that, no, we're going to extend that three days and allow it to up to the uh, end of the day on Friday. Okay? Okay. Uh, we saw in the Nicole Ziccarelli case, you folks in Allegheny County that remember, Nicole Ziccarelli was a candidate for state senator in the 45th Senatorial District when she was running against Jim Brewster, uh, the, the Democrat. And when all what I call valid and legal votes were counted, Nicole was up by like 24 votes. Slim lead, but a lead nonetheless. Allegheny County decided on their own volition to count mail-in ballots that lacked a written date. Now, to give you some context, folks, uh, on September 28th of 2020, the Secretary of State had issued guidance to all these counties that ballots lacking a written date should be set aside and not counted. And that's because the law specifically said that voters shall sign and shall date those ballots. But Allegheny County decided not to. Uh, I, on the Board of Elections, voted not to count them, but they went ahead and counted them, 
They went to the Common Pleas Court, where Judge Joe James allowed it to go forward. They went to Commonwealth Court, where currently Justice Kevin Brobson, who was sitting in Commonwealth Court, rejected it, you know, because it was contrary to law. It then went to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, where the activist court allowed those votes to be counted, even though this year they affirmed that they shouldn't be counted. Then also this year we saw with redistricting again in the congressional seats where they took and drew new districts and where now Republicans are down to only seven seats. Or eight seats, I apologize. Eight seats. My math is bad, folks. Eight seats in Congress here. So, and in in our state legislature, you know, it was the Supreme Court that picked the special master, Mark Nordenberg, to be the tie-breaking vote, you know, on the redistricting commission. So, you know, they have taken and inserted themselves into things that are specifically the role of the legislature and have conducted themselves in a way which is uh, very disquieting for people that are fans of the law as written and not, uh, you know, as invented. And that's why I'm so excited today to be joined by a candidate for Pennsylvania Supreme Court, and that is Judge Carolyn Carluccio. Judge, welcome to the show. Welcome to the elephant in the room. Thank you, Sam. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, Carolyn, you are the president judge of Montgomery County's Common Pleas Court, correct? That's correct. Tell us a little bit about, you know, yourself and your background and, you know, how you got here and why you're running for the court. I'd be happy to do that. So right now, as you said, I am the president judge of Montgomery County. Montgomery County is the third largest county behind Philadelphia and Allegheny County. We have 24 judges. I've been on that bench going on my 14th year. Last year, I was unanimously elected by all the judges on my bench to be the president judge. Now, why that's important is because my bench is 50% Democrats and 50% Republicans. And they chose me to run the court and be the president judge because, not because of my politics necessarily, but because they know I can get the job done. Mm-hmm. I'm the first woman in this position. I took on a backlog in the civil and criminal divisions that were, that were created because the president judge prior to me was very COVID careful, let's put it that way. And I, there were backlogs created, and I took it on, and we have really done an amazing job in cutting back on those backlogs so that we're, we are there doing the job that we were meant to do, which is to work for the community, to make, to rule on cases, and to move our case through the system. That's awesome. Um, it, it's really worked out incredibly well, and I'm really proud to have done that. Now, my second year when I was on the bench, I also was the president was the uh, president of our bar association, two thousand members, and I had a lot of management skills, which will come in handy for the Supreme Court. That does do a lot of management in 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 their do in their work. Uh, this is all really important as we go forward because the Supreme Court, as you noted so aptly, Sam, that we're in a bad place right now, and it is important that we bring balance to that court. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before I was on the bench, I was a federal prosecutor. I was mainly in the criminal division prosecuting large-scale drug cases. I understand how a criminal case works from the beginning to the end. I also was the first woman chief public defender in my county, which gave me that great balance in a criminal case. 
After that, I worked in the I worked as a deputy solicitor for the county. So I represented the county commissioners and the 52 departments, giving me the ability to work on everything from public property, roads and bridges, to the health department. And I think that all of these qualities are something that I can bring to the court that is badly in need of some balance. Well, it sounds like you have an incredibly well-balanced background that allows you to understand the law from all facets, you know, both from the prosecution from the defense, also from a contract standpoint, this would all serve you well as you get a mix of cases at the Supreme Court, would it not? Uh, absolutely. I think that, that in a lot of ways I'm uniquely qualified to do that. And I also bring with all that a lot of management skills, which are important. Um, I am going to be in July the president of the state trial judges conference. Again, being elected to do that position by trial judges across the state. And I really an honor for me to be in that position also. Well, that's an incredible testament to your qualifications and your reputation, you know, that you're able to garner that type of support. That is Mm -hmm. incredible. I really appreciate that. And I think it's an important quality to bring. Of course, everyone should want to elect the most conservative justice they can, but it's also got to be somebody who can win in November. And I think that the background that I bring to this lens me to be the candidate mm-hmm. that can really bring this home in November. Well, tell us a little bit about when you ran for judge initially. You know, you were telling us how when they selected ballot position, you weren't in an enviable position, but you still prevailed. <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. I'd love to talk about that. When I ran for Court of Common Pleas in Montgomery County, there were an, there were seven openings, which is a great deal for us. We have 24 judges on that bench. And we on the primary ballot, there were 19 names. And I pulled lucky number 18, which is <laughs> clearly not a great place to be. And I'm going to tell you something. I came in number one, and the reason I came in number one is because nobody was going to outwork me. Nobody was going to out-fundraise me. I understood what it takes to run a race, and I did it. I did it with my heart and my soul because I love doing what's right for the people of this community. Well, good for you. I mean, I think that proves the adage that hard work creates your own luck, right? I think so. <laughs> I like to think that. Yeah. Now, for our listeners out there, back in 2021, you know, Republicans elected uh, Justice Kevin Brobson, who had been the president judge of Commonwealth Court, to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. But what I want to tell those folks is that was what we would call a Republican hold. He was filling a seat that was being vacated in retirement by a retiring justice that was a Republican. So today, even today, you know, the balance on the court, it is currently, it's five Democrats and two Republicans. So this That's is the exactly first opportunity right. in 2023 to chip away at that majority and to try to restore balance to the court. And this is what we were alluding to when John pointed out the 2015 election where we lost, you know, those three Supreme Court seats. And, and you know, I went through a litany of the negative results you know, at the beginning of the segment. So, you know, tell us how important you believe it is, Carolyn, you know, for you to be elected to this seat in November. You said it so well, Sam, that this is our chance to start chipping away. And if we can take this fifth seat that was held by a Democrat, we then have a fourth three with us in the three. And there's a possibility to get more balanced sports, more evenly, more fair decisions that Mm -hmm. we've really been missing. I believe firmly that judges need to stay in their lane. We should not be activists. 
We must follow the law, interpret the law, and apply the Constitution as it's written. And we need more justices to do that. And I would love nothing more than to join Justice Robson and to carry out that calling. Oh, I, I would love nothing more for you than join, <laughs> you know, Justice Robson, right? You know, and, uh, you know, the folks here in the Republican Committee of Allegheny County are going to do their best to make that happen. Now, tell us a little bit about the current process and how, you know, you're, I know we have a Southwest Caucus meeting of the PHEP coming up today and also the Northwest Caucus as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about your travels around the state and how you find, you know, this process, how you believe it's working for you. Well, we started several weeks ago with the caucus, and our first one was the Central Caucus, and then we went to the Northeast and the Northeast Central. This week I've been out in your fine area. I am actually in the car right now driving from Erie back down to Fayette in Greene County. I've been all over the west side of the state, and I will tell you I love the people here. I have not received a warmer response and reception anywhere. I'm thrilled to be in this part of the state. So far, I think it's going really well. We are having our caucus. The Northwest and the Southwest caucus is this Saturday. After that, we return back to the east, and we have the Northeast, or we have the South, let's see, but Southeast caucus met. And so far, the numbers are really looking great for us. Once the endorsement process is over, I hope to go on and not have a primary would be my goal. I want to be able to save all the money that we can to go against the Democrats in November. I'd hate to see us spend money fighting other Republicans. It's against everything in me, and I'm really hoping that together we can work to bring him the best ticket that we can, including the Supreme Court, but including the two Superior Court seats and the Commonwealth Court seats. Right, and, that, and that's important. I mean, we have a ticket here, right? And we're going to have these four judicial seats available. And uh, we were very fortunate. You know, in 2021, Republicans were able to win three of the four. And, and I think we should have won the fourth as well. And that's why we're going to continue to work on turning out the early vote and getting Republicans to use mail-in ballots, you know, as a way to do so. Okay. Sam, that is so important and people are afraid to use them, but we need, it's the law right now. And if we're going to have it out there, we better use it or we're going to feel the consequences. Absolutely. And, that, and that's, I mean, you're, you're singing for my, my hymn book. Now <laughs> you said that you, really enjoyed being out here in Western Pennsylvania and you like the people that you've met. I want to tell you that they like you as well. Having had the opportunity to attend a couple events that you were at, I mean, I was, it was wonderful to see the welcome that you received and how folks have just, you know, embraced you, you and your candidacy. And uh, I think that that bodes well, you know, for the future. Thank you, Sam. I cannot thank you enough. And Allegheny County, Republican Party has been so supportive, the state committee. Um, I thank each of you because I know these are the people that are out there working, working the street, working. They're doing the hard work. And I am forever really grateful for all of that and for your support and those of your listeners. Now, you know, while I have you on the phone, right, in the first segment I was talking to Emily Uhanek, a candidate for Superior Court, and we were talking about, I was asking her to tell our listeners a little bit about what the Superior Court does. Now, a lot of people, you know, they hear the term Supreme Court, and many times their thoughts drift to the U.S. Supreme Court in Washington. Could you explain to the folks what the Pennsylvania Supreme Court does in their role here in the court system in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? 
So the Pennsylvania Supreme Court hears cases that get appealed up so that just a basic understanding. We have magisterial district justices on the bottom level, and they're your local local judges. After that, if anything gets appealed from there, it goes to the Court of Common Pleas, which are your trial-level judges, which is where I am now. Anything appealed from there will go to the Superior Court, or as you've learned, Commonwealth Court, which handles more government cases. Anything appealed from those two courts then goes to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. It's interesting to note that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court only takes about 6% of the cases that come up to it. Remember, there's only seven justices up mm-hmm. there. And the cases that they hear are the most important cases, whether they, they impact the most amount of people. There are cases that maybe there's a difference in the counties and how they're handled. There are cases that impact the law, the Constitution. We look at cases, we look at something and make sure it's constitutional first. Then we also interpret the law and apply the law. And so they're the cases that we're going to hear for, listen to me, I'm already a part of it, that the Supreme <laughs> Court hears. <laughs> well, well I, I, I hope that comes to pass, you know. But thank, thank you for you. giving thank you for giving our listeners a little bit of an idea, you know, as to what the Pennsylvania Supreme Court uh, you know, does. Now, uh, I don't know if you could talk about this. Uh, there's something in Pennsylvania called King's Bench. Could you explain yeah. that process to the folks? Because it's such That's an right. arcane phrase. Most folks, you know, they hear it when someone requests the Supreme Court to take a case, but they don't maybe under, understand it. So it's really just keeping it as basic as possible. It's when something goes from the Court of Common Pleas necessarily, and they want to skip the appellate, the, the middle appellate level. They want to skip right through the, the Superior Court and the Commonwealth Court and go st- straight to the Supreme Court because it's an issue that is that impre- pressing and that important for the Supreme Court to hear. So it's all about timing then? Yes, it is. Okay, yes. okay. Now, hey, if you, you talked a little bit about your background, okay, and uh, you know what you're doing today. What else would you like the listeners here in Western Pennsylvania to know about Carolyn Carluccio as they consider her to be the next Pennsylvania Supreme Court justice? I'd like you to know that I am true. I truly want to do what's best for everybody. I believe in the law. I love the law. I'm going to apply the law. I am not an activist. Um, I love people. I get, I love getting to know people. I want to meet you. I want to look you in the eye and have an honest conversation with you. I am married. My husband, Tom, is a lawyer also and is honestly my biggest support system. I have three boys who are grown now, and I am very proud to say they are all conservative. And in this day and age, I think that says a lot. My middle son just got engaged. His fiance is lovely and also extremely conservative. So um, I have a wonderful support system in my family. I'm so proud of each of them. And I hope that you'll look at this as a reflection on our family life and what we've done um, at, at home in Montgomery County. Well, I think that's important. You have to have a good work-life balance you know, to be effective in your role and knowing you, and, you and have the support. Hard. Yes, yeah. isn't it? It's really hard, especially as a woman raising children and being out there. But I had the support system I needed to make that happen for me. My kids were young when I first started this process, and they became part of my, my, my team. They were the ones out there, my somewhere t-shirt that says let my mom you know they were all part of this and you know he proudly wants to pull that t-shirt back out again <laughs> oh looking forward to it and hey congratulations on going to be gaining a daughter as well right i am so excited about that yes yes you. that's a, that's exciting so uh you know folks you're listening to carolyn carluccio judge president judge 
in Montgomery County Common Pleas Court, candidate for Pennsylvania Supreme Court, uh, and she's running to get the endorsement here for the Republican Party to run in the primary as our candidate. So, uh, Carolyn, is there anything else you'd like to say to our folks? I know, being on the road here, that you're busy, but I want to give you a chance to talk to the folks and make sure that you're able to say whatever you whatever message you would like to share with them. Well, my message is I will not lose this race if you choose me to run it. I've never lost a race. I do not plan on starting now. And I know that this is a must-win seat. And if we all work together, we can bring this seat home. And I cannot thank each of you enough for the support and the love that I've felt so far. And I hope to continue spending more time out here in the western part of the state because I do feel at home here. And, Sam, I can't thank you enough. And, John, it's been really a pleasure to be with you today. Carolyn, thank you so much. Safe travels, okay? Thank you. And we look forward to seeing you out there soon. I will be back. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, Bye, Carolyn. So, John, what do you think of Judge Carluccio? Well, I mean, she's very impressive, great credentials. I mean, she's a woman. Uh, We seem to do better with women candidates running for some of these judicial seats, which is very encouraging. Mm -hmm. Um, She has a great message, a great background. She ran, she was elected in an area in Montgomery County that has been trending more Democrat lately. So, I mean, she is battle tested and I think will be a strong candidate in November. Mm -hmm. Listen, I couldn't agree more. Now, hey, for our folks, there are some other candidates vying for the endorsement here. In the Supreme Court, you have uh, Judge Patty McCullough, who's uh, also from Allegheny County. Patty is a ju- excuse me, Judge McCullough is a judge on Pennsylvania's Commonwealth Court. You have Judge Paul Patrick, who's from Philadelphia, who is a judge on the Philadelphia Common Pleas Court, who is running. And I believe those are the only other two candidates right now for Supreme Court, folks. This is this is a crazy time. It's an exciting time. In politics, it's also crazy because you hear all kinds of rumors. Folks are saying, well, somebody else is going to jump in or someone's going to do this. But so the three candidates right now that are vying for the nomination, or for the endorsement rather, to be nominated for the Republican Party are uh, Judge Paul Patrick from Philadelphia, uh, Judge Patty McCullough from Allegheny County, and Judge Carolyn Carluccio, President Judge of Montgomery County Common Police Court. So, folks, we appreciate you tuning in today and listening to us here on The Elephant in the Room. This is your host, Sam DeMarco, and you're listening to WJAS 1320 AM.